So I think there's a lot in, um, in our readings that, that we can talk about, uh, but first to talk about um, our opening prayer. So I know this is maybe something that's easy for us to tune out during uh, the opening prayer. Maybe for some of us, it's like the whole Mass is easy to tune out. Um, but, but what I want to focus on is this prayer. So open up, you got your little missalettes in your pews. Uh, so open up to page 13. So on page 13 in the upper right-hand corner, it says July 17th. So this is what we prayed. We're going to kind of go, uh, I'll read the thing, the whole thing, the whole prayer, and then we'll go line by line uh, what we prayed. So we prayed asking God, show favor, O Lord, to your servants and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace that made fervent in hope, faith, and charity, they may be ever watchful in keeping your commands through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son. So show favor, O Lord, right? So we got we to think about this for a minute. We got to just sort of stop and think for a minute. Um, always a good thing to do. So who is God? God is this being, right? Who has existed, always existed. He created time. He created everything that exists. And if you let yourself look up, right? I mentioned this. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before. If you look, let yourself look up sometimes, you can see how incredibly expansive existence is, right? The universe. We, we only see like a tiny little portion of it from Earth. Uh, it's so big, and God made it all without effort, right? So when we think of, of God, he's so, he's so big. He's so big, and we're coming before him, asking him for favors, right? Show favor, O Lord, to your servants, uh, and mercifully increase the gift, gifts of your grace. So it's not just that we're asking him to show favor, it's, it's that we're saying, Lord, you've, you've given us grace already, right? Now give us more. Increase the gifts of your grace in your mercy, right? So this is what we believe about who God is, is that not only is he great, not only is he grand and powerful, but he is merciful, he's good to us. No matter how many times we rebel against him and turn away from him and insist on our own ways, he is merciful to us and gives us opportunities uh, to receive his grace. But nonetheless, we're asking him to show favor. And I think, I think this is something that we, we could really benefit from letting ourselves sort of reflect on, you know, that God favors us. We don't, we don't ask him for these, these gifts. We don't ask him for favor and, and grace uh, in vain, you know, as though it's this sort of like, you know, on the outside chance, God, that you might want to give us a little bit of grace, we ask you to show favor. It's like, no, we, we, we ask for favor because we've been taught by him that he wants to favor us. So just to think about this, like the God who is so big and so incredible, he favors you. He loves you. He looks at you and he has such strong affection for you. How, how can I know this? Well, I can know this because somehow in God's working throughout history, he's allowed me to be born into this family of Christians. And not, not just like this, this little family in this one little town, but, but in, among all of the Christians in the world, he's, he's allowed me to receive the sacrament of baptism so that so that I could be transferred, right? Outside of baptism, I'm a creature of God. I'm made by him. Unique, sure, but simply a creature. And then when I'm baptized and brought into his family, I become his child. Think about that. You who have kids, right? Think about, 
think about your kids, right? And you think about your kids as though, like, I would do anything for them. You know, like, that's my flesh and blood. This is how God looks upon us, that we're, we're his kids. And, and being his kids, he, he has this affection for us and this favor for us. We, we're meant to live in this place. And, and we can look around and we can see not everyone is baptized, right? Like, there are, there are lots of people in the world who are unbaptized. So not everyone has gotten to receive this favor from God, either because they've rejected it or because they've never heard it or because maybe they, the, their parents neglected it when they, when they were babies or, or whatever it may be. Like, not everyone gets to receive this incredible gift that being baptized, like, Jesus lives within us. It's, it's incredible. And then if it, as if it couldn't, as if it could get better, right? It is better because for us as Catholic Christians, we come to Mass, and, and what are we doing here? Well, we're, we're worshiping, of course, right? But, but even more so, we worship God. I mean, that's, that's big. And then, and then he gives us something. And it's not just something, but he gives us the Holy Eucharist, the, the, his body and his blood. You know, like, if this is true, what we teach about this, that the bread and the wine really do, in fact, change into the body and blood of Jesus so that so that those who come forward to receive communion in a state of grace receive the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus into us. We share communion, this, this word communion, right? It, we become one. We are united with Jesus. It's just, it's incredible. And this is something that, you know, we teach this that our, our Protestant brothers and sisters are missing out on. So it's, it's, it's like being Christians, being baptized members of the body of Christ, we share this incredible favor from God that, that we live in this place of blessing that not everyone in the world gets to receive. And then even as Catholic Christians, we receive and we share in this, this additional blessing that God wants to give us. To, we share in this additional favor that, that he wants to. And so it's just like, and then if, if, if I can't receive communion because I'm not in a state of grace, he provides an opportunity for me to become in a state of grace by going to confession, right? Like, he doesn't give up on me. He gives me more opportunities to, to have my sins forgiven and absolved so that, so that my soul can be made clean, so that then I can receive in a state of grace, so that I can share in this union with, with he who lives with him. It's just like, it's so incredible. So when we ask for God to show favor and to increase the gifts of your grace, it's this beautiful cycle where, where we ask because we recognize that we need from him, that we can't, we can't manufacture this, right? We can't make it happen. But we have to ask because we're needy. And then he sees us in our neediness and he says, okay, I will. I will give. I will give more grace. I will show favor. And so just maybe to spend some time each day reflecting on that. Like, I am, I am favored by God. You are favored by God. And, and so like to let that, let that carry into everything that you do. But then we recognize that he does, he gives us more and more and more grace all the time. But what does that grace do for us? The grace, it says, right, so increase the gifts of grace, that made fervent in hope, faith, and charity, they may be ever watchful in keeping your commands. So his grace somehow makes us fervent in hope, faith, and charity. Now these, these are four words, fervent, hope, faith, and charity, that I think we actually got to, we have to define. You know, sometimes, sometimes in the church, in the Christian community, we can use words without really defining them. And so we end up then just throwing around words. But if, if you were to ask someone, you know, but what, is it, what does hope mean? You know, and 
I think you'd get a bunch of different answers. What is it? What is charity actually? Well, you, maybe you'd get different. What is love? You know, uh, and, and so like to actually define these things so that they don't just become empty words. So that our ritual doesn't become just empty ritual, but instead we we understand that words have meaning, and what we do has have, has meaning. Uh, so what is what does this mean? Real briefly. So hope, hope is a confidence that that there's something coming in the future that is incredible. So for us as Christians to have hope in heaven, for example, right? We are, we are confident, even though we, we don't maybe, we're not there yet, so we can't know for certain, we are confident that there is another life coming after this one. And that other life that comes after this one is far greater than anything we could experience or even imagine experiencing in this life. That, in, that there is another life coming in heaven, and in heaven there is no suffering, there is no pain, there is no death, there is no sorrow. There's no politics, there's no uh, comparison, there's, there's no people less than or greater. It's in heaven, it is so perfect that we can't even imagine what it's like. And yet, because we have hope, the hope of a Christian, we're confident that it is there to come. And so it gives us something to look forward to. I have this hope that I just, I can't wait to get there. Faith, what is, what is faith? Faith is, is connected to hope. Faith is, is this thing, right? God is invisible. I can't see God the Father. I can't see God the Holy Spirit. And I can't even really see God the Son in the same way that he could be seen 2,000 years ago. And yet, if I have faith, I, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that there is a God and that this God wants to shower me with his blessings. And so in faith, I'm going, to, I'm going to live my life around this God and his commandments. So that, so that to someone who doesn't believe in God, they look at my life and they think, that person is so silly. Right? But, but in faith, right, it's this confidence, again, that, that God is real. And that God being real, he wants a relationship with me. And so I share in relationship with him. It's, it's that I believe that that friendship with him is possible. And so I'm going to live in that place of friendship that he provides. And so I'm going to live in that place of his providence because I have faith in him. And then what's charity? Charity is this, this outward focused thing that if I have charity, I begin to look beyond myself to saying, what are God's preferences, not mine? And how can I serve the people around me in love where I choose in spite sometimes, in spite of my feelings, in spite of what I might naturally pr prefer to do, in charity, I choose to set my preferences and my feelings aside sometimes for the sake of choosing what is good for the people around me and choosing what God prefers, right? To love God and to love your neighbor. I talked about this last week. So if I have these three things, this is what God's grace does for me. And so I need God's grace to give me these three things. But, but it's not just that it's these three things. It's that we're made fervent in these things. What does it mean to be fervent? Fervent, I had to look this up. It means to have a passionate intensity for something. So if I receive God's grace, it's not, just that, it's not just that I sort of look forward to the life that is to come. It's not just that I sort of believe in God, but you know I'm sort of hedging my bets, and so I don't mind living in a particular way that, that's sort of contrary to the gospel and sort of, you know, not. It's not just that I, I sort of am, am open to caring for the people around me, 
But no, if I'm fervent, if I have a passionate intensity for these things, right? It's that heaven is the one thing I keep my eyes on. If I have a passionate intensity in faith, right, that it's, it's like God is everything to me and there's, there's nothing else that's gonna pull me away from that because he is real and being real, I, I get stuck in this place of mystery and awe and wonder because he invites me into communion with him and so like that's, that's the vision, right? If I'm fervent, if I have a passionate intensity for choosing his preferences and for loving the people and caring for the people around me, right, then I, I actually choose to deny myself and, and discipline my body so that my body can learn that it can't actually have what it wants because my life isn't about me, but instead it's about God and it's about my neighbors trying to help my neighbors come to see God, to live in the same place of hope that I'm able to live in. This is, what, this is what God's grace does for us. This is what God's favor. And so when we're able to live out of this place of favor, you know, maybe you can see, right? This is, this is the kind of thing that changes everything. It changes everything about the way a person approaches life. This is something I think we can, again, look at our readings. Abraham was living out of this place of favor, right? He had been called by God. He's, he's the father of God's people, right? He's called by God to share this unique relationship with him. And being in this place of favor, what happens, right? He sees these strangers, and it's not just that he, like, he goes up to them and asks, you know, how can I care for you? No, it says what? It says when he saw them, he ran to greet them. And when he greets them, he bows down and he says, give me this favor. Let me serve you. Let me provide for you just a little bit of rest. Let me, let me bring refreshments to you. Do you see how, how like this, this charity that he had received from living in this place of favor, it moves him to be eager, to be intensely passionate about caring for these complete strangers that he had never seen before. And he, he runs to them, let me refresh you. Then he runs, he hastens to Sarah and he says, quick, make some, make some rolls for them. And then he runs to the herd, he picks out, and then his servant quickly does these things, right? Like it, it just moves him with an intensity, with a passion that just says, I can't help but do this because God's favor is upon me and I am so eager to bring God's favor to these people who unknown to him are actually from God, right? But, but nonetheless, and, and St. Paul's the same way. St. Paul, he recognizes this, that, that he receives God's grace and that in receiving God's grace, it's not ultimately for him. Yes, it's for him, but it's, it's for, and he says this, right? I'm a minister of the church in accordance with God's stewardship given to me to bring to completion for you the word of God. Right, yeah, God has given me a gift. He has made me a minister. And, and yet that ministry, he says, is not for me, but he has given that to me for you. Do you see this, brothers and sisters, about how like when we receive God's grace and when we live out of that place of favor, it naturally moves us with a kind of intense passion to look outward and to say, how can I bring this, this very grace that I've received, this grace that helps me look forward to the life that is to come, this grace that helps me, uh, that makes me ultimately believe that God is real and that he is who he says he is, it moves me to bring this same grace to people around me because I want to love them and care for them. I want them to know God's favor in the same way. And when we don't live in this place of favor, what happens? We end up like Martha, 
right? Martha, Jesus is in her house. She has been favored by, Jesus doesn't go into everyone's house, right? He is in her house. She's been favored by him, and yet she's stuck turning in on herself, looking at herself. And so when she's stuck turning in on herself, she cuts herself off from the source of grace. And when she's cut off from the source of grace, she becomes bitter. She starts to complain. She starts to compare. She forgets the incredible gift that is there in front of her, who is Jesus. Right? So, so we got to sort of ask ourselves this question. We have to ask ourselves this question. Where am I living right now? Where are you living right now? For, for some of us, I think we can be stuck in a place of, of not living in God's grace, right? Not sitting at his feet. And so we're, we're maybe giving and giving it, and we feel it. We feel that we're giving and giving and giving, but, but we're giving out of our own store rather than giving from what Jesus wants to give us. And, and, and so what happens is we, we turn in on ourselves, and turning in on ourselves, we cut ourselves off, off from the grace of God. And so then we're just going to feel worn out, and we're going to start to complain, and it's possible we could start to feel bitter and we could forget, actually, that we are favored by God. And forgetting that we're favored by God, then it's not a pleasant experience because we're cutting ourselves off from him. And for others of us, maybe we're in this place, actually, where we are sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? We come and we ask for his grace. And we ask and we ask and we ask, Lord, continue to make me fervent in all these things. But, but then we're not actually giving that grace away. We're just kind of storing up grace for ourselves. And, and if we're just storing up grace for ourselves and, and not looking to, to give it away, then we're actually preventing ourselves from receiving more grace. And the grace that we do have, it can in some ways become like stagnant and stale. Just like, just like a pond that has no outlet, right? Water might come into it, but if there's no outlet, the water's just gonna stay and eventually the pond is gonna turn into a swamp where people are going to go and look and they're going to say, I don't want to be near that swamp because it smells bad. It's stale. It's, it's crummy water. So for some of us, we might be sitting at the feet of Jesus, but because we're not letting his grace flow out of us, we ourselves can sometimes become stale and stagnant in our spiritual life. And so people come to us and they say, you know, there's something about that person. They're just a little off. I'm not sure I want to spend time with them. Right? So, and then maybe for us, others of us, we're, we're stuck or we're, we're someplace in the middle, right? And I, I, I know for myself, there are times when I'm, when I'm not focusing on the Lord. And there are other times when I am focusing on the Lord and I'm not looking to give away. And then there are other times when, when it seems like I, I find that balance of receiving from Jesus and then giving it away. But, but maybe you can see, right? Maybe you can see how important it is for us to, to make sure we're praying this every day of like, Lord, help me know your favor. But then in knowing your favor and receiving your grace, Right? Help me, help me to be outward focused. So I actually encourage you like to tear out that little corner on page 13 in your missalette and bring it home and pray it regularly. You know, like to just say, like, Jesus, Jesus, help me live in this place of blessing, this place of favor, this place of your grace. But living in this place, Jesus, help me to be fervent in faith, hope, and in charity, eager to be a vessel of your grace, that your, your grace may come, but then transfer right out of me into the lives of other people. Help me to see, Jesus, that your grace 
Even while it's for me, it's also not for me. Help me to live in this place so that that ultimately I can be brought to completion. The word of God can become complete within me and I can be presented before you fully mature and perfect along with St. Paul and with, with all the saints.